welcome to the Empower Church podcast. My name is Matt Garner, and I'm the pastor at Empower Church here in Melbourne, Australia. We're so glad you've joined us today, and I am believing that today's message is not only going to inspire you and encourage you, but it's going to empower, equip, and challenge you to be everything that God has called you to be. Hey, if you want more information about what we're up to at Empower Church, just jump on our website, empowerchurch.co, and all the details are there. We really hope that you enjoy the message. Very good. All right, we'll grab a seat when you can. A few quick things just to let you know. We um, always like to keep you guessing here if you're a part of Empower and a part of our church family. So one of the things that we're, um, we have been doing or we, we, we are doing is we're going to be doing a lot of the announcements now at the start of the meeting um, just in order to give a bit more space at the end if um, ministry and prayer and things like that are happening, number one. And uh, also number two, because I've noticed that... Um, if you look at the run sheet, which confession I never do, um, we kind of tack those things on the on at the end. So um, we are going to be kind of doing that at the start, where um, Beck got up this morning and just kind of called people in um, out of uh, that open space into just getting ready for worship. So that's one of the things that we're going to be just giving it a shot. That's what we do. Give it a crack. See if it goes. If it doesn't work out, then we'll give something else a crack, I'm sure. Um, But we just do like the idea of just in that meeting time, just being able to just flow and really focus on on Jesus. That's why we're here, amen. We're not here for a church name. We're here for the name of Jesus. He's what it's all about. And I know I'm preaching to the choir. Um, Another thing that we, we, um, just so that you know, is going to be happening and has been happening for the last few weeks. We do want to provide um, the opportunity for you to partake in communion every single service that we have, if you like. Um, once a month, we'll do something a little bit more formal, like um, Bev coming up today um, and um, just leading us in that way. Um, but we do want to provide you with the opportunity if you want to partake in communion when you're here. You're more than welcome to do that. If you want to do it with a few people, get a holy huddle, do what you need to do. Um, But there will always be um, communion provided just at the information desk at the back there. So um, if you get a prompting in worship that you want to take communion, just wander out of your seat, go and grab something. Um, Or if you're a member on the way in, you can do that too. So we want to encourage you to do that. We want you to not just be led by what's happening on this microphone, but we want you to be led by what the Spirit is speaking to your heart. And um, so I'd really, really encourage you to um, do that when you'd like to. Cool? Um, You might have seen an email I sent out yesterday pleading with the women to help us register the men for men's conference. Um, we had a suggestion in our, in our staff meeting, maybe we should actually ask the wives um, or significant others to help us register the men because, um, as I confessed, um, like the Apostle Paul said, I'm the chief of all sinners when it comes to actually filling out registration forms. I'm sure he was referring to something else, but I'm saying that with administration. And um, so if you haven't registered for men's weekend yet, it is going to be a great time. It's the 26th to the 28th of August down at Elkana. Come Friday night, um, we're going to, in the next probably 10 days, send out a communication to you if you've registered with the details of the weekend so you know what's happening. Um, But more importantly, we need your help if you plan on coming actually jumping on and filling out that form. So you can just head to empowerchurch.co forward slash men's or click the link in the email and that would be good. Also next Sunday, um, two really cool things are happening. Next Sunday, we're actually having a guest speaker come 
Um, his name is Dr. Michael Gretschko. I think that's how you pronounce his name. He'll rebuke me next week. Um, but he uh, is going to come as we're in a series on stewardship at the moment. He's going to come next week and speak specifically about money and tithing and giving. And so um, like we, um, if you've been around our church for a little while, you know that we don't talk about money a whole lot. But once a year, we want to do a pretty specific focused teaching on everything kind of stewardship. And uh, uh, that's where you find, that's where we find ourselves today talking about stewardship. And so Dr. Michael is going to bring a really wonderful word, um, really zooming in on a theological perspective on the tithe. Um, there's a whole lot of thought out there on tithing, Old Testament, New Testament. We're here to just present um, a truth, but the Bible says to test all things. Every Sunday you should be that's why I would encourage you to take notes or go and listen to the podcast again because um, I'm human, I'm fallible, I'm going to get things wrong. I don't have a complete understanding of everything theological. And so um, the, the truth is, is we approach all theology with humility, knowing that we can learn, knowing that God can speak to us, knowing that God can change us. And um, the Bible says to, to test those words, make sure they're right. And so we have a full expectation that you're not just um, listening to what I have to say and going, that must be the truth. Maybe it's not. Maybe I should test you on that. <laughs> he said, no, anyway. Um, so we're going to present uh, an idea on tithing next week and giving, specifically talking about money next week. It's going to be a small service, I can tell Lockie. <laughs> I'm busy that week. No, not really. Um, but, uh, and the truth is, as you know, if you've been a part of Empower, um, we really put the onus on you to decide and to purpose in your heart uh, whether you want to give and what that looks like for you and for your family. Amen and amen. The second thing about next week is we did this two years ago um, when we did a series like this and then we've had all these lockdowns and everything. Um, but one of the things that we like to do in this, in this time as we're talking about um, giving, I suppose, and stewardship and all those sorts of things, uh, we, wanna, we want to offer you a gift next week. And so um, come along and um, be a part of next Sunday. It's going to be a good day. And I think that is the most promotion I've ever given a service that's coming up. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. So, come on. Uh, Matthew 25, would you turn there in your Bibles this morning? We're going to read in a moment from uh, verse number 14. I want to overload you, if I can, with Scripture today. I want to try to stay to my notes as much as possible um, in order that we can land somewhere this morning and get out some of this content. I do encourage you to take notes rebuke the spirit of social media off your life and distraction and um, write some things down this morning. It's going to help you. And um, I, yeah, I do, I do genuinely believe today is going to, going to help us. Last Sunday, we spoke as we started week one in our series on stewardship. Last week, we actually spoke about the cost of following Jesus because it's all good to talk about money and materialism and all those sorts of things, but it's like water off a duck's back if you and I have not sorted out the true issue of being a follower of Jesus, and that is who is on the throne of your heart? Who is truly your Lord? We referenced a, an epic book that was written in 1937 by a man of the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the book is called The Cost of Discipleship. He said something that impacted me greatly in his book where he suggested that the world, his rival was Adolf Hitler, okay? 
And so while all of this stuff was going on, his persecution was coming directly from Adolf Hitler. He set up a Bible college. He ended up dying for his message of saying, we must not conform to the image of this world and to what the world says is right. And we must live according to a biblical godly standard. Now, I pl- please hear my heart today. That is not a political statement. That is not a political statement. That is not a statement around our current government that we have in Victoria. That is, if that's all you hear in that statement and you're thinking, good, the preacher's talking about how we should, you know, anti-whatever or pro this, you're missing the part where the Holy Spirit can truly transform you to be further like Jesus. It's so easy to point fingers out there and see how it needs to be changed. But what the Holy Spirit wants us to be doing is humbling ourselves before Him and inviting Him to change us. My fear with our ridicule of the government, and I'm not saying I'm pro any political decision, but is that in First Peter, Peter actually said once the church had been dispersed, I'm just going on a rant right now, so just go with me. Um, but when Peter, when the church had been dispersed, this is about 15 to 20 years after Acts chapters 1 to 8, and Peter is dispersed, the church is dispersed, Peter says something, he says, honour the emperor. And I believe what he's saying, see, Peter lost his life. So Peter's not saying comply, but Peter's saying I need you to see the God and the potential destiny that is inside of that person through the redemption of the blood of Jesus. And that happens when we can continue to not compromise our values and our biblical standards and following Jesus, but still continue to see the God destiny and hope for every single person. (laughs) Oh, it's quiet again. Talking money and politics, silence in the church. It's all good. But the truth is, the truth is, if the New Testament church treated the Apostle Paul, if they were calling the uh, Saul what we've been calling our premier, maybe he would have never been the person that God used to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. And so my heart is not compromised. My heart certainly is not um, just going with the flow of what the world is doing. You know that. You've heard that in my preaching. But my heart is to pray that the gospel would impact whoever these people are because maybe they are the next Saul that is to become Paul. Could you imagine if the premier of our state has an encounter with Jesus and radically gets converted to Christianity? Meanwhile, the church is hating on this man where we should be praying for this man and saying, Lord, would you save him? While he is not saved, I'm not going to um, compromise my convictions But Jesus, would you use that man for your glory? Amen? Would you use that man for your glory? Anyway, rant over. Stewardship. (laughs) We're talking about stewardship and we're talking about uh, the cost of, I went on a rant talking about Adolf Hitler because sometimes I think we, we think he's that and you can draw the lines and it's all good. But I think uh, uh, Bonhoeffer said that the world is out discipling the church. And I believe that we in our society face the same challenge. And so whilst we will speak about money a little bit in this four to five weeks as we talk about stewardship, really what we're actually talking about is your life and your personal devotion to him. Matthew chapter 25, let us read. Verse 
Verse number 14, Matthew 25. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. To one he gave five talents and to another two, to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. And he who would receive five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had gained two talents, two more also. The crypto market was going crazy that year. But he who had received one went and dug went, went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. So right now we, we know that the Bible, when it is using that term talent, isn't talking about some special ability. It's not talking about singing or dancing, which both talents I possess quite strongly. It's not talking about um, um, the talent of, of whatever that talent is. It, it says very clearly there in verse eight, 18, he had hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who received five talents came and brought another five, saying, Lord, you've delivered me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. You know, isn't it funny that we read that verse at funerals, but it's actually talking about our stewardship. It's actually talking about stewardship of the stuff that God gives us and how we manage it. Well done, good and faithful servant. Uh, verse 22, he also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you've delivered to me two talents. Look, I've gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. Now I will make you ruler over many, um, many things. Enter the joy of the Lord, verse 24. Then he said, then he who had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed, and I was afraid, and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you, are, there you have what is yours. So he returns what the, the boss gave him. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I've not sown and gather where I've not scattered seed. So you ought to, ought to have deposited my money, my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I will receive back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents. For everyone who has, more will be given. And he, he will have an abundance. But from those who does not have, even what he has will be taken away and cast and cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. See, when we give our lives truly to Jesus, I mean, when we truly start submitting our lives to Him. And can I be honest with you, the journey of walking and being in relationship with Jesus is quite simply that. It's quite simply this journey of daily understanding that you are on a an adventure, that you are, uh, like we were saying um, in 2020, 2021, you're looking at his face and holding his hand. And where he leads, you and I must make a resolution in our heart to follow. That's why, why I said last week that surrender can be more, can be better than obedience. And the reason why I say that, obedience and surrender are kind of the same thing. But really, I'm not going for just a yes in a moment. I'm going for yes over a lifetime. And in order to do that, I must be completely submitted and surrendered to the will of God. It's acknowledging that as I walk with Him on a daily basis, as I wake up and I submit my life to Him, as I honour Him in my work with what my hands touch, as I honour Him with my time, as I honour Him with my thoughts, as I honour Him in the relationships that I'm in, as I honour Him with the responsibilities that I carry, as I truly submit to Him, God begins and I yield every part of 
who I am to him, which is really what the story of being a Christian is. It's not waking up on a Sunday morning and saying, do you think we can get the family to church today? It's waking up every day. And I don't want to call you to a commitment to Sunday church. I want to call you to a commitment of radically following Jesus with all of your life. I I don't want to call you to tithing and putting money in the bucket. I want to call you to complete abandonment of what is yours in surrender to His will for the sake of the kingdom of God and the glory of the name of Jesus. I don't want to dumb down the, 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 the commitment like we have where we've just said, come to church. I want to raise the stakes and I want to say, no, what it takes to follow Jesus is a completely surrendered heart to Him. The cost of following Jesus is a daily surrender. <laughs> and the longer you walk with Him, the more you figure out that you've got to lay down so much of your life on a daily basis. We invite, when we invite the Spirit to teach us from the Bible, not from society, how to be like Jesus, what happens is we start to transform and change. And one of the areas that God starts dealing with us, I believe the most, we're talking about stewardship, remember, is in the area of trust. Now, under that big word trust comes a whole lot of other, whole lot of things. You know, one of the areas that the Lord has challenged me a number of times in my life is around my own children. They are sitting in here, so I want to embarrass them too much. But because I love them so much and because I care for their future and I care who they're becoming and what God's calling them to, I have a pretty strong reputation of being a helicopter parent. Come on, somebody. We are preaching real today. The helicopter parent, where it's like, don't climb that, don't be there. And the Lord on a continual basis, (laughs) block your ears, kids, because this might not happen the way you want it to. Um, but on a continual basis is saying, Matt, do you trust, do you trust me with your children? <laughs> do you trust me with your finances? I have not met a genuine Christian that does not actually want to f- trust God more. In fact, when you look at all the areas that God challenges you, whether it's to step out and pray for someone in a, in a supermarket or pay for someone's groceries or, or bring a prophetic word to someone or love that gay neighbour that you have that you don't know how to be the church to because you're trying to work that whole thing out or, or um, there's so many things, right? Or trust him with your finances because you feel the Lord calling you to quit your job and, and move to a third world country to serve him? I don't know. Maybe that's you. But I've not met a genuine Christian that does not want to grow in the area of trust and is also equally not challenged in the area of trusting God more. And one of the areas that God immediately uses to test our trust is in the realm of materialism is in the realm of money and possessions where he tests our trust. He tests, are we going to worship the spirit of mammon? Are we going to worship the spirit of materialism? Are we going to worship the stuff or are we going to worship him? And he starts dealing with this because he will always deal and he will always... um, He will always arrange our circumstances to disrupt our worship if we are worshipping something else. And the story of the Israelites coming out of Exodus is that as coming out of Egypt in their Exodus is that exact thing. It's a journey of 
God trying to romance them into worshipping him rather than what they know. And we find ourselves on that journey. And what happens is, is we hear about tithing and we hear about being generous and we start doing stuff like that because we read about being generous in the Bible and we read about for all those sorts of things. And so we start doing, uh, doing those generous things. And we've got some extremely generous people in this, in this room. We've got some very faithful people in this room. You've been faithful in giving. You've been faithful in, in uh, tithing. You've been faithful in giving your money to God through, through the, the vehicle of the church. You've been faithful in uh, providing the, uh, and blessing so many people with your different skills and the different things that you have. And, and I'm preaching to the choir today but really what I'm going at is not about, the, is not about uh, you necessarily giving more stuff. It's going again at you giving more of your heart. Does that make sense? My time's up already. It's about giving your life afresh to Him and understanding that the journey of Christianity is waking up daily and making a conscious decision, Lord, this day is yours. And I want you to use me. And so we start being generous and we start giving. But because we don't understand stewardship, often we are incapacitated in our ability to give. Robert Morris, who um, you might have heard of, but he wrote a book, wildly popular, still one of the best Christian selling books still. And he wrote it about five years ago donated all of that money to, uh, all the proceeds of that money to, to his church. He has not made a dime off that book. And it's called The Blessed Life. And um, he goes out of his way to make sure that he communicates. This is not about the blessed wallet. <laughs> this is about the blessed life. And the blessed life is a giving life. The blessed life is a generous life. Um, in a a book that he wrote just a, a couple of years ago on stewardship. It's a book called Beyond Bless. And what he says is he basically says that um, we need to make sure that our Christianity in this area walks on two legs, not one. Because if all we do is just give, but we don't have the other leg of stewardship, we're just going to incapacitate ourselves in actually being able to give. Let me just break that down a little bit. Let me just break that down a little bit. So for example, like we, we make a commitment to say being at Sunday church. Let's just call it that. That's an easy one. We're here. It's a practical thing. But because we can't steward our time properly, other opportunities come up or other things come up and that Sunday service becomes further down the priority list simply because we haven't stewarded that space and said, no, that's, a, that's a, an important part of my walk with Jesus and connection with my spiritual community. And because we haven't stewarded that, because we haven't budgeted that time and made it a priority, other things take its place quite easily. I, I think it's like, it's like, um, I think it's the same area of like servanthood, serving. This isn't about serving necessarily here, but in, on a Sunday morning, this is about being active with your faith in your community and your world. Some of that might look like in here. Or I'm just too busy, I can't do this or that. No, you and I need to get better at stewarding our time so that we can prioritise the things that are... that. God is speaking to us about them being important in our lives. Another area, let's, let's talk about money. I'm going to give, I'm going to give, I'm going to give, I'm going to tithe. And then all of a sudden we get a car loan because that Tesla looks very enticing. Come on, somebody. Plus I'm doing, I'm blessing the planet Earth by getting all, anyway, I don't want to go on another rant about that, but... Um, and so what I do is, is I either, because uh, money's been cheap, hasn't it? 
So I overextend myself in a, in a mortgage because the bank will give me the money or I get that nice car loan. But as you know, that money has got to come from somewhere. And because I haven't been a good steward in understanding my, what my means are, something gives. And often it's not our desire to give that stops us from giving. Often it's actually our stewardship of what we have. Okay, you with me so far? So let's talk about stewardship. What is a definition of stewardship? Stewardship is simply, write this down, it's the management of the property of another. And I want to give you three quick points out of this text as we talk about stewardship. Number one, with that definition in mind, stewardship is the management of the property of another. Number one, I am not the owner. That's what I want you to write down. I am not the owner. I'm not the owner. Psalms 50 verse 12 says, if I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all of its fullness. It all belongs to the Lord. It all belongs to the Lord. Really what he's saying is, I don't need to knock on your door and ask if I can have one of your cows. Because the cows that you own, Farmer Matt, now that would be funny, the cows that you own are actually mine. I'm not asking you to own them, I'm asking you to steward them. Matt, you are not the owner. So the, the lovely house that you have, Matt, that's not actually not yours. You are just stewarding it in this season for my glory. The house is mine. The, uh, another uh, verse says, the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. Everything on this planet belongs to God. You and I are not the owners. We are simply the stewards. It's His. And so the question is, if God owns it all, how much do I own? And the simple answer to that question is a big fat zero. <laughs> Do you know when you get this revelation about the things that you have in your life, whatever those things are, from children right through to possessions to money to the money that's in your bank account right now, when you get this revelation, you begin to realise, you begin to, uh, it's so much, I'll say it like this, it's so much easier to trust God with his own stuff. One of the significant differences between an immature Christian and a mature believer is stewardship. It's how are you managing God's stuff? Now, if you're visiting today, as I said, we don't talk like this a lot. This is, you've just come to the wrong four weeks. As God bless you, just stick with us. The other thing I've noticed about um, about working out whether and living in that space where you go, I, I'm not the owner, is, is that the more that you privilege, the more of a privilege you see something to be, the more you become responsible for it. The more of a privilege you see something to be, the more you become responsible for it. I think one of the things that I've been going on about for a while, even around Sundays and the why we we put a value on being here on Sundays. Why we put a value on you personally going deeper in God is because one day we might not have the opportunity as a church in this country to gather in this way. We just might. We might not. It might, might not be possible. And so when you realise that this isn't something that we have to do, this is something that is a privilege that we get to do, then you start taking responsibility for that thing that you see as a privilege to be a part of. God made it, okay, but I get to manage it. God made it, but I get to manage it. Ella, have you got your phone there? Can I have that for a second? Is that all right? 
my beautiful daughter Ella. She's 14 years old. Did you see how she just submitted to my request just then, like a very well-trained daughter? This is going to be fun. What's going to be fun is a few things. I'm just unlocking her phone. Oh, well, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> Something open in church. How do I do that? I just want to, I'm going to change her background to my face. That's <laughs> what I do. Because God owns it, but I manage it. Like, now, Ella did save up for this phone. We went halves because we thought that was a thing. She needed a phone for school, catches the bus, etc. No, don't hate on me. My kid's got a phone. Okay, it's all right. It's the 21st century. But the truth is, the truth is, is Ella is a manager of this phone. Okay? Technically, she owns it, so the, 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 the analogy is broken from the start. But let's just say I paid for it all. Even though she paid for some of it, I have authority over the phone. Hey, that was a mother on fire. You write that down, young man, and you do it in the phone that she gave you. But I, I, I own it. I have authority over it. I know the pin code. I own it. She manages it. How she stewards it is up to her. And we have some principles in our household around how devices for all of our children, not just my 14-year-old daughter. You can have this back after the service as well, young lady. No, I'm joking. But I'm trying to show you the, the picture that what you have, you are just simply a manager of. So you know that mouth that God created you with, that words come out of? You are a manager of that mouth. (laughs) I hope you are a good steward because James tells us that that is the hardest thing to get control of. Most of your trouble in your life is not because of a devil. It's the one that's in your mouth called your tongue. We're preaching real here today, folks. Because the truth is, is that you get to, you manage what God gives you. You are just a steward. So that's why the Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. I'm trying to help you see this isn't just about money. This is actually about heart. This is about inside. This is about willingly, daily submitting to following Jesus with your life and going on that journey. Um, If you're a gossip, then you are a bad steward of your tongue. If you're talking about someone that's none of your business, you are a bad steward of your tongue. If you're You know what I'm saying. You're a steward of your mind. You need to allow the right thoughts. That's why the Bible teaches us to bring into captivity those thoughts that exalt themselves above the name of Jesus. You're a steward of that place. You're a steward of your own spirituality. If the church is not on fire, it's not the pastor's fault. Because the church is not this. The church is you and me. And I'm responsible for my spirituality. I'm responsible for whether I'm on fire. I'm responsible for whether I open up the Bible every day. I'm responsible for whether I pray every day. I'm not responsible for that for you. You are the steward of what is in your life. And God made it, God made you, and you get to manage it. God made it, I get to manage it. That's the principle of stewardship. Everything and comes, comes from and belongs to the Lord and you only manage it for a season. Number two. Number one was I'm not the owner. I want you to see that. I want you to see that you're not the owner. And so death and life are in the power of the tongue. Use that. Be a good steward of that. The greatest gift that you can give someone 
is a word of encouragement. And that costs you nothing. Let this place be filled with such love. Let our community, our church be filled with so much life that all that we talk about is, man, man, you're amazing. You're incredible. Hey, Premier, yeah, we don't agree with this or that or the other, but God's got a plan for your life. He loves you. Man, let's just speak words of life. Let's steward that space for the glory of God. Death and life, what are we going to choose? Let us choose life. Let us be good stewards of what God has asked us to manage. Number one, I'm not the owner. Number two, I am a steward. The Bible says that they're given some talents. A talent equates to 10,000 denarii, okay? Denarius is singular. Denarii is plural. So a talent of silver is 10,000 denarii. Denarii is a day's wage, okay? So one denarii is a day's wage and it would fluctuate with the economy. Inflation, thank you, Jesus. 300 denarii, do you remember when, when Jesus' feet were anointed with perfume and Jesus said, why wasn't my, why, uh, not Jesus, Judas said, why wasn't this perfume sold for 300 denarii? a year's wage. He was saying, why wasn't this sold for a year's wage? Robert Morris, as I was um, doing some of this research and, and reading up on some of his stuff, he basically says that one talent of silver, so listen, one talent of silver is equivalent to a lifetime, a lifetime of wages. One talent of silver. So have you read that story and gone, that's not fair, that guy got one talent. He still didn't have to work for the rest of his working life, which they used to retire at about 50 back then. I say, bring it back, Lord. So the guy that was the five talent guy, okay, he was given five lifetimes of salaries. Why? Because it was given according to his ability. Gold was worth 10 times the amount of silver. So if you were given one talent of silver, it was worth, you do the maths, I'm not good at it. Deuteronomy 8.18 says this, You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is to this day. So God gives you the power to get money, but listen to that word, like underline that word. I've highlighted it in mind. It says that he may establish his, his covenant. God gives you the power, the ability. You've been given an ability. And the good thing about being given an ability, doesn't matter how high that ability is, you can actually grow in your ability. You can go from the one talent guy that has no skills to the five talent guy pretty quickly. And the way that you do it is just by stewarding what you've been giving, given. That's the key. He gives you the power to get wealth so that his kingdom can be extended. I heard a preacher one time say, God actually wants you to be his bank. Haven't we got it the wrong way? Where we want God to be our lucky, lucky lotto ticket? We want God to be our bank. Bless me. We are definitely against the prosperity gospel in this church, just so that you know that. That's not, I'm not saying you shouldn't prosper and be blessed. I'm just saying our motive in giving anything is never about accumulating for ourselves. In fact, if you look at the New Testament church, they poured out their lives, the Apostle Paul said, as a drink offering. Have the houses, have the cars, have those sorts of things, 
But make sure that word that is included in the mission statement of your life so that you will extend the kingdom of God. There's nothing wrong with being the five talent person as long as it exists to produce and bring glory to the name of Jesus. See, you are God's bank. You'll get offended by that statement if you don't understand stewardship. Because what God is saying is, I've given you stuff that I want you to multiply, increase, and use it to build my kingdom. I want you to be my bank, not that I access, but that my kingdom here on earth accesses, that people in the church access, that our community access, that our, the needs in our community can access so that you can be a blessing. And it's not just money. It's about honouring the Lord with all that you are and have. If you have a car, you know, you can pick someone up if they can't get to this or to another sort of gathering or whatever it might be. Use it as a vehicle for God's glory, quite literally. You know what I'm saying? Last point. Number three, what have we said? We've said, I'm not the owner, I'm a steward. Am I a good steward? Luke chapter 12, we'll quickly read this and we'll close. You don't even need to come up, Calf. Thanks, man. We're just teaching today and just laying it down. Luke chapter 12, verse 16. Then he spoke this, the, a, a parable to them saying, the ground, so we're trying to answer this question. I want you to ask this question of yourself. Am I a good steward? So if you've got a gift, like what's the, am I, am I, am I managing it? Am I a good steward? Am I increasing it? Am I developing it? Am I growing it? Is it increasing in my life? The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentiful. And he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? This guy's blessed beyond blessed, right? What a problem to have. So he said, I'll do this. I'll put down, I'll pull down my barns and build greater. And there will, I will store my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, see what he thinks he owns? I'll say to my soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then those, sorry, then whose will those things be which you have provided? Verse 21 says, so is he who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. See, God didn't rebuke him for having wealth for being rich. He rebuked him for living for himself. Are you catching the theme in this whole stewardship thing? It's not about money. It's about what is your life doing? It's about how are you surrendering daily to make space for God to use you in your world? whether you're a student in business, retired, single parent, doesn't matter. Stewardship is understanding that you are carrying a blessing that is not meant for you. Did you hear that? You're carrying a blessing that is not meant for you. You steward what you have because when you prayed, God, use me, that's exactly what he's trying to do. He's trying to answer that prayer. God, use me. And the problem with our society, churches that I certainly grew up in or the, the gospel being preached over the last 20 years has made God out to be this genie because there's been such an increase in comfort in our society. The church have preached the same message. 
But the truth is, is following Jesus is hard. Following Jesus is challenging. And so I want to encourage you today to be that person as we do full circle. Stewardship is the management of someone else's property. And I'm trying to help you to see that you are that property. You're the one. We get one shot to live this life. Some of us get a long time. Some of us don't get much time at all. Life is but a vapour. Here one day, gone the next. And we must live with eternity. Eternity must frame every decision that we make. Young people, it must shape every decision that you make. Church, we have one opportunity, one life to live. And the call to being a good steward and understanding stewardship is a call to live out the fullness of the purpose of your life for the absolute glory and honour of our King Jesus. Come on, would you stand up, bow your heads, we're going to close. Lord, we don't want to be the unfaithful steward. We want to be the good steward. We don't want to neglect or abuse or be unprofitable, but we want to be the good steward. We don't want to excuse ourselves, nor do we want to compare ourselves. But Lord, we want to take responsibility for what you have and have not given us. And we thank you, Lord, And I just pray that there'd just be an alignment. I just pray in my own heart that there'd be an alignment. I pray, Father, today that you would help us, empower us to be the people that passionately follow you, that we would steward our lives, knowing, Father, that you want to use us, that you want us to increase what you've put inside of us. And so help us, Father, and use us for your glory. Help us to be stewards. Help us to care. Help us to be a blessing to those in our world. And help us, Father, not to live for ourselves, but to live for others. And like you did, Father, to lay down our lives so that people can come into your kingdom at this time. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, our prayer team are going to come if you want any prayer. Um, Our prayer team are going to be up the front every single week. I want you to take that word. I want you to re-listen to it. It'll be on Spotify and iTunes and all that again tomorrow. If you didn't hear last week's, it was an important message. Grab that um, in the same spot. But have a listen. And um, more importantly, have a listen to what the Holy Spirit's putting in your heart when you wake up tomorrow about walking with Him. Amen. Be blessed. Have coffee, have tea, have a whole lot of other stuff. And uh, if you do want prayer, we'd love for you to um, come up here and grab prayer. Bless you. Have a great week.